I think being a, a video producer would would sound good. It'd be start again. <laughs> Hi, Reese. Hi, Rob. How are you? Good, John. How are you, mate? Hi, John. Good, thanks. How are you, Rob? I'm okay, thanks. How are you? Yeah, yeah, good. Excited? Yes, looking forward to the first one tonight. John, excited or nervous? A little bit nervous, uh, first guest on, um, but also excited for Rob after last week on the pilot discussion where he mentioned he wants to be on camera, um, but this one is about the person behind the camera. Um, so it'd be interesting to see if he gets swayed um, and if he if he fancies this for a job. This could be his big break, you know. Could this be. could be laying the foundations for his future. We'll see. So the guest we got coming on then is Ellen Mannion, um, a video producer. Um, she's had an interesting career, um, which she'll tell us a bit more about um, and how she got to where she is today. Um, so Rob can find out whether it was hard work, easy work. Um, what would you prefer, Rob? Do you want to put the hours in or do you want to just land on your feet? No, I think to start with, I could put the hours in. Um, oh, that's good of you, mate. That's good of you. Just just to get my foot through the door and then just, yeah, he's off then. Yeah, it's not the cook report, mate. <laughs> the thing is, even your dream around being on camera as a presenter, this could be the start. You could start behind camera get to know people and then work your way on i'm sure that's it's yeah. like the it's like the weathermen or the weather women they, they start off as uh as well weathermen, all of a sudden then they present in the show it'll be quite fascinating in that you often hear quite a lot of the people who act in front of the camera about their lives how they got to where they are you, you never really hear much about the people behind the camera so i think that'll be quite an interesting thing to to discover so should we get ellen on then yes let's get her let's on let's get her branded Hi guys, how are you? Thanks for having me. Hi Ellen, how are you? Thanks for coming on. As as you probably know, we, we want to get Rob a job um, and we want to find out about all the different strands that make a, a brand tick. Um, and you being one of our first guests as a video producer, we're keen to understand what that entails, how did you get into that role um, and whether it's something that Rob would like to venture into. Um, how does that sound for you, Rob? Yeah, that sounds good. Well, I hope I can sell it to you then, Rob. So um, the first part of our podcast then is, is to find out about you, Ellen, and um, how did you get to where you are today? So if you can tell us from school onwards, you know, did you find a passion for, for video production? Did you fall into it? Was it university? Was it a career path, etc.? So fight away. Fabulous. Well, this, I'm going to take you right back. And it also, it's going to make me feel quite old, really, because, you know, the last 20 years have just gone in a blink of an eye, <laughs> haven't they? But my age and everything is going to come out here. But apparently, I'll take you right back when I was six years old. And bear in mind, I came from a family of teachers, so nobody worked in media. I had no aunts, uncles or anything. So I have no idea where the inspiration came, obviously, other than watching telly um, and maybe seeing the odd camera in the Eisteddfod. But apparently at six years old, having decided that Actually, despite liking caring for people, I probably wouldn't be a very good doctor or nurse. 
And my gran liked, Mumgi, as I called her, liked to remind me that I announced at six years old that I was going to be a television producer. And, you know, my daughter's just turned seven. John, I know you've got a six-year-old daughter. That's very young to make that sort of choice. And they just laughed it off and thought nothing of it. It was just a fad. Um, And that's the story that, you know, came to light years later. Then in school, um, obviously, I had an interest in drama. And at the time, there was no media studies. There was none of that behind the scenes. But I knew that's that's where my passion would be. Um, And like Rob, I had no desire to be an actor. My acting skills were not up to scratch. But I liked theatre. I liked, you know, kind of creating something. Um, And so I I did drama A-level. Again, not wanting to act. And looking for courses um, I, you know, I was drawn straight away to media. I would have happily gone into teaching. I would have enjoyed it as my mum and dad had. My brother is now. But I, I just really wanted to create videos. That's what I wanted to do. So I find, found a course in Aberystwyth University. And there was a course in film and television studies there. I look back and I think, God, somebody studying now their course would be so so different you know with social media everything I you know was taught then would a lot of it would be out of date now but at the time it was just a brilliant course bilingual course so I graduated in 2000 on the millennium and I remember having a panic just before I graduated because I had no contacts in the media And, you know, it's kind of that cliche that it's the industry that you need contacts. Um, And it was about a month before I graduated and I was somewhere with my dad and there was a form you had to fill in and I ticked student. And I just said, oh, my God, I'm going to have to tick unemployed. (laughs) And just that realisation, you know, that you just wanted that foot in the door. Um, But I was fortunate. I, I did apply for the graduate training scheme in BBC and I did have an interview, which might not have gone any further, but I was chuffed to bits with that. And as we walked out of the final interview, I'm sorry, final exams in Aberystwyth Uni, um, the producers of Henna Programme, SOC Henna Programme, were there. And they'd heard the good reputation of the course. So they just came up to meet us and, you know, just to see who was graduating, what sort of interests we had. And I think at the time... I said I wanted to be a researcher because that's a good step in. Um, and with my bossy nature, as I'm sure John can agree, um, I guess, you know, direct and producing is where I could see myself eventually. And I I was invited down to Llanelli, the base of Henna Programme. And yeah, fortunately, they, they offered me a job, which was just gobsmacked, really, considering I just was just graduating um, so there I started and I worked on the Heno program, which, um, if you're not familiar with it, is it's like the one show, basically, in, in Welsh. And I, I loved it. I, and I will give you my highlight now, which was interviewing Richard Attenborough, which was just amazing. And wow. um, that would be my highlight. And people would say, wow, what a glamorous job. And I loved it. It was great. But I've got to say, when we were out doing the live links, you know, I remember being in Aberystwyth on the seafront, holding a brolly over the presenter, like seven o'clock, doing a feature about how awful the weather was. <laughs> and I'm thinking, 
the director was in the studio nice and warm, you know. And so when people were like, what a glamorous job, I'd be like, yeah, but, you know, you don't see us cold and wet. And, you know, at seven o'clock, half past seven, you'd come off air from wherever you were in Wales and you'd have to travel back to the base. Um, but in terms of learning about the trade, in terms of meeting so many people and a lot of them, not, you know, not your Richard Attenboroughs, in terms of seeing the country, I mean, I travel Wales and I think, oh, filmed there, gone there, filmed here, travelled through here. It was it was a great, great start to the to my career. As years went on, like the multimedia, education videos, marketing videos, they were becoming more of a thing. And in Tinopolis, where I, where I worked on the henna programme, they had like an upstairs, downstairs culture. Simply, that was the geography of the, of the building. So upstairs was the TV and downstairs was IT and multimedia. And I was asked to just go and film a project about entrepreneurship for Welsh Government, which was literally going around Wales, interviewing entrepreneurs um, and as basically a standard set of questions um, about how they started their businesses, etc. You got to, you know, deliver a, a longer project and then you maybe got get to launch it at the end and, and work a bit more on things like the branding of the project, on the graphic design, you know, how is it packaged? Was it in a website? Was it a standalone DVD? Or maybe back in those days, it was a VHS. And... I really enjoyed that element. I liked it being more of a project. And little did I know that was a massive turn in my career. And I made the call to stay in in multimedia as opposed to return to telly. And there's nothing like seeing something you've produced on telly. And a bit of me would have loved to take that route and, and to do more documentaries and, you know, be more adventurous in that respect. But yeah, this was great. And given the way technology and, you know, web streaming, everything has turned out. I think it was a good move. So I did that. And then along came kids and I have three of them. And that made Korea sort of still tick along, but it had to take a back, a back seat naturally because, you know, I wanted, yes, we want it all, but I wanted to be a, a hands-on mum. You know, I wanted to feed them. I wanted to be there with them. Um, so yes, Korea has still still always been there, and now my youngest has just turned seven. You know, it's it's allowing me that little bit of extra time to put back into my career to to build my career. And I've been freelance now for about eight years. I produce a lot of marketing videos for the Earth, so I film in the residential courses, and I'm in the. Um... For our worldwide listeners, Alan, can you explain what the Earth is? Uh, the Earth is the biggest youth organisation in Europe um, through the medium of Welsh. And the Earth offers so much to children, Welsh language and Welsh learners. So the highlight of the Earth's calendar is the Eisteddfod. So the Earth Eisteddfod, which is for children as opposed to the National Eisteddfod, which is in August. But the Earth is also about sport, about Welsh culture, about opportunities, about clubs all year round. And it's just an amazing opportunity, that an amazing establishment that unfortunately, like a lot of things, is a hard hit with this pandemic. But the fair play, they're doing really well and, you know, still trying to do virtual Eisteddfods and many virtual groups and 
yeah, hats off to them. And I'm in the middle of doing an apprenticeship video for them, um, which is lovely. A lot of it, the interviews is virt- are virtual, unfortunately, but it, it's interesting to do that. Do you, find, do you think that um, because of that switch that you made from TV to multimedia, um, that has helped you within your career with becoming freelance, gives you that little bit of flexibility and that opportunity? I do think so. I do. I mean, there are people who work in TV, sort of multicam directors. There are opportunities to be free, to be part-time and some people do really well as freelance. But I guess if you're filming, you've got to be very flexible. For me, I've done a lot of work in addition to producing as more of an account manager, building client relationships, right? I enjoy the tender writing, you know, putting proposals and concepts and idea together. So you, yes, you're right. Definitely going into more the multimedia ended up being a very, very good move. Little did we realise how much things were going to go down this route, how much video would actually be online, you know, how much S4C content like Hansh is really, you know, there, there are more views online, you know, did we think that I was watching a YouTube video yesterday with just billions of views. It was just like, you know, the baby shark. La, 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 la. I mean, the views are just. I looked at it earlier. Really, yeah, it's the one with the most views. The, the, the production quality is, is obviously not great, but yet it's so. Yeah. So, yes, to go back to your question, definitely. That was just a bit of a bit of luck, really, a bit of a push in the right direction that just ended up being fortunate for me. We were hoping to get the animator of that video on next week, but you've ruined that for us now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Um, you obviously talk really passionately and you're very proud of what, what you've done and what you've achieved in your career. And, and kind of going back to what you were mentioning there with the Baby Shark video in that pretty much anyone these days can produce and upload content and be seen worldwide. So through your career, you've probably seen the technology and the speed at which you can do things and also the number of people needed to actually produce something improve. Do you think that's that's benefited TV and content or do you think it was better perhaps when you were first, uh, when you first started producing uh, and there was more sort of, there was more of a critical eye on what was being produced? That's a really, really interesting question. And I think even when I joined the TV world, I think things were starting to change. I think a few years before I joined, you'd have a bigger cruise going out and things were starting to be streamlined when I joined. You know, you'd have smaller crews going out. Um, but yes, with technology, you're, you're so right. With you know, who would have imagined when we used to take these big cameras out that these little things here, these little mobiles would be able to record. There are some things, obviously, with film. With film, you still have the full-on crews with um, Henor programme, you know, with Nahanda. They still have your multi-cams, your designated sound men, your designated floor managers. So there are spaces where these still exist and are required but I think you can see that good content can be produced with smaller kits, less people, and very effective. I think there's there's just a place for, for everything, really. But it's inspiring sometimes to see, you know, some of this footage on YouTube. Yeah, especially with kids. You know, you just see, actually, what are they interested in? 
it's got nothing to do with production value. It's got nothing to do with how many people that were filming. It's all about the content. Um, so, it, yeah, it's hard to give a definitive answer there, but it's an interesting one. You know, some some videos that I do and I think, oh, there are elements of that that you can do with a phone, but actually to get the sound, to get the editing, to get everything, then, yeah, you do need you do need that standard. Um, and then there are some some things that people can easily do at home. Um, you know, there's everybody thinks they're a bit of a Spielberg with their phones, which is hilarious. I love that question, Reese. I think it's a brilliant question because it falls under every, probably every strand of the branding um, elements that we are talking going to be talking about throughout the podcast series. Um, because I think I touched upon it last week or in the pilot episode where somebody will come to me and they've done a logo themselves in Word. Okay, you can do that, but <laughs> how, are you, how are you then going to turn that into something to put on the side of a van or on a, on a big billboard or something like that, you know what I mean? And then also how do you expand that brand a bit more? So people have got tools to do their own thing, which is fine, but I think if you need it, if you want to take it to the next level and be that bit sharper, that bit more professional, then you need the professional to to do it. Um, but it leads me on to one of my other questions, which is just what's your thought on um, TikTokers and YouTubers? Because you summed it up there already, I think, where you said that anybody can do anything and create the content, but the production value is something else then in terms of if you want to produce a big cinematic film compared to just doing something on a phone and sending it to your friends and getting... But, but, but like what Risa's saying, you, you'll have millions of views to watch that guy falling <laughs> over compared to a multi-million pound operation with loads of cameras. And I suppose it could be disheartening for some people who've worked really hard to get to that point. Then they see some Joe blogs over there getting a hundred million views, like you said, with a baby shark, but there is a place for everyone. And I think it's just really nice from my point of view to see people being creative. Um, but then I think when it comes to branding and an organization, you need to take it to the next level and get somebody professional to do it. Yeah. I, I completely agree with you. You know, there's a platform so you've got your YouTube and your TikToks and then you've got your TV you know and it's it's a different audience I think going forward what we've got to look at if I if I look at my seven-year-olds she might watch the odd film she doesn't watch TV I mean she watches TV because YouTube and everything is on the TV but she wouldn't watch a channel she watches like girls playing with Barbie dolls and you see their hands it's you know, it's not animation. It's just literally girls playing with Barbie dolls. And yes, a lot of work has been put in by this 12-year-old girl who's a multimillionaire. But it's, you know, you cannot compare it to to broadcast quality. But these, we have to think, these are the future generations and, and we have to deliver. They're not going to automatically turn 21 and go, all oh, right, now I'm into production value and I'm into watching terrestrial TV they're not going to have a switch like that. Um, but it's interesting. I'm working with SVC at the moment on um, Hair Film Ver, which is the short film challenge. So we did one back in the summer and you literally have 48 hours to produce a film. And we literally, we went live at seven o'clock on the Friday night and they were, it was revealed that the genre was horror and um you know, they had 48 hours from then to produce a five-minute film. 
Now, some of these literally had, you know, I don't know, webcams and iPhones, um, some sort of mic. Others had booms, you know, others had more equipment. But the footage they produced, what they achieved in 48 hours was amazing. So the second head, which is Welsh for Challenge, has been launched and it's it's going live tomorrow at seven. So I can't I can't even tell you the theme and anything like that, unfortunately. But um, it's it's amazing to see we've got over forty registered, might be more by now, and to see what they can produce in forty eight hours. And on top of that, even if they're in a team, we're under these very strict COVID restrictions. And, you know, it's amazing what they can do. And that's that ties in, doesn't it, with what, what youngsters really can do with just creativity and imagination and seeing that as an opportunity as opposed to a barrier. Um, you know, one of one of the judges on the panel is Lee Haven Jones. He's obviously Doctor Who director and he directs films. And he's filming in Bristol or due to film in Bristol with a massive crew. And he'll be in awe of some of these films that come in Sunday night for us to watch. Um, But there is still a place for these high-budget, high-quality production. It would be a shame to see that go. You know, we can't... YouTube has its place. These TikTok videos, some of them are quite impressive. They have their place, but surely they can't be the benchmark to kind of quality. It, It goes back to what you say, John. Anyone can do a logo on Word. Yes, they can. Can you compare that to a brand agency? <laughs> no, you can't stop it. <laughs> yeah, but you can't compare that, can you, to a full-on brand agency? Well, if if you get a chance to listen to our our pilot from last week, you'll hear that John actually compared himself to Coco Chanel in his genius <laughs> branding. So, yeah, I'm listening. So, because you've got, as you say, with with so many, as you say, youngsters actually. And I think it's a good thing because I think what's happened is that the ability to actually film, edit and make content yourself has really uh, sort of democratised the media and yeah. it's been taken away. But and it, if you look at what's happening in America, do you think that and in America now you've got stations and the big main players are generally aligning themselves to political organisations almost? Do you think that's got a react is a reaction to the fact that they're not getting the younger viewers coming through and they're almost fighting over what is left of a demographic to watch their programs? Absolutely, absolutely. You know, everything's about figures, isn't it? Everything is about targeting the, the youngsters. And you know, it's interesting, like S4C are doing more with Hansh, which is their sort of young target audience, which is their audience is more online, but they're they're tying it in and, and that's the best thing to do is is to go to you know rather than compete with TikTok incorporate TikTok incorporate YouTube you know use the platforms that these youngsters you like to your advantage um it's yeah it's bizarre to think what they'll be watching um you know in a few years but for now there's definitely still a place for these high-end productions I, I've got a question for the three of you. So thinking of YouTube, what's the one thing that springs to mind that you watch on YouTube? Are you a subscriber to a particular channel or do you only use it for one particular thing? So Ellen, I'll start with you as the guest. I subscribe to only one. 
um okay I, I do a lot of yoga from youtube i don't think that that counts the only one i subscribe to and my husband and i love it it's overland in sofia so basically my husband's got a camper van just a van that he's not upgraded to a camper van you know we're a family of five we're all tall we're not going to fit in it we're realistic but it's more like a van like a you know that we could go to the beach in the day when we're allowed when uh, when Mr Drakeford allows us to go to the beach again those good days and he started following this couple from England who converted a van a sprinter and they took it around Europe and they're just these normal couple and they're just good they're good and then it was really interesting to see them in Europe and then their journey back during lockdown and now they're planning I'm really selling the program I think they're great now they're planning whether or not they can do it a trip so they're they're revamping the van because it's not quite suitable they're traveling across South Africa going in um well the whole of Africa sorry not towards South Africa planning next October and it's on on a Sunday night, and it's just kind of our night. We sit down with a glass of red wine, and we watch Overland and Sophia. They're only short. They can be seven minutes. They can be 15. Their production value has definitely increased. They've now got more of logo and branding, and, you know, the editing has improved. Um, but so it's that middle ground between being, like, homemade and having the production value. Yes, that's what I watch. I'm interested to hear what, what you all subscribe to as well. I, I, I love that just because exactly from what you said all along this and how things have evolved and changed, that program you're now watching is not on TV as we know it. You were on YouTube as well, like your children. You were watching something on there and you're also watching um, a, a, a documentary following a family. Um, yeah. And that's that's essentially what our children are kind of doing as well. It's youngsters who they relate to and enjoy what they're doing, playing with Barbies or whatever. And as yeah. adults, we do the same thing. I always remember, I think, speaking to my father-in-law where he'd kind of said, like, oh, what are they watching on there now? And then when you speak to him a bit later on, you, you find out that he's he's watching Gogglebox. <laughs> and Gogglebox is watching right. somebody watching TV. <laughs> And he, he was moaning because they were watching somebody playing with a toy. So you know what I mean? It's the same. It's just an adult version. And it's interesting how the mind works and how well, people yeah. watch. Well, yeah. And, I mean, you watch. I know you watch a lot of football. You're watching other people playing, Do the essentially. Yeah. Maybe not Barbie. No. But, no, exactly. Yeah. So, Rob, what, um, what's your go-to on YouTube? Is there a channel or a, a particular thing? Um, probably at the moment. Um... Sky Sports, definitely. I always watch the highlights of that every game and everything that comes up. Um, and the only two channels I watch are uh, the Running Channel and the Run Experience because I've, I've started running again. So yeah, I watch them. What are they, do they like have tips and stuff, or is it? Yeah, there's. Um, I think there's a new video sort of every week, um, and it's just running tips and just different sort of. Um, health and different diets and everything and just sort of different exercises as well so it's really like good a tu- like a tutorial on how to yeah run. pretty much yeah yeah <laughs> what were you reese um i don't subscribe to anything at all i i just use youtube um with a bottle of red wine and music um, <laughs> and hopefully at some point towards the end of the night i'll get to something that makes me really cry um <laughs> 
and if I can't find anything that makes me <laughs> cry, I'll probably try and find the end of Watership Down, break down in tears, and I know it's time for bed. So, yeah, it's my virtual <laughs> box and my personal counsellor, I think. Excellent. And that's interesting. Again, I was looking earlier on at um, the top YouTube videos, and I think Ellen already said Baby Shark um, was one of them. I think it might be the top most viewed video on there. But the rest of them, they were all music videos. Um, so it's mm-hmm. funny that people are using them for that um, for that reason, um, as their own little radio station and choosing the songs that they want. Um, so that's good. Um, for me... Um, I started watching tutorials, graphic design ones actually, which which I really love. But I, I'm not going to talk about that one. The the other one, which I can't get enough of at the moment, and I hate filters on faces. Okay, um, so when Snapchat first came out and all that nonsense, I did not like all that. I was like, ah, oh, it's not for me. But there's a couple. Yeah, but we all can't Mark. be as beautiful as you, John. Unfortunately, <laughs> <laughs> you can't look any younger than this man. Um, there's there's a couple called Martin and Bex, and I don't know if you've seen them. You might have seen them on Facebook or, or just on YouTube. And she basically pranks her husband all the time. And they put a filter on their faces when they're doing it. And they're from Wigan, so they've got this Wigan accent going on. And I think it's absolutely hilarious. And I'm watching in bed. My wife is shouting at me because I'm chuckling away just before I'm going to sleep watching it and I just watch it all the time and it just proves that I'm just as much as a kid as the kid <laughs> oh I want to see that Martin and Bex have a look it's childish but it's funny she pranks them all the time so what was the first thing you saw your name on in the credits on television well this is the thing you see um with live tv back then it's a little bit different now there were so many of us that worked on a programme, so, you know, because different items, we didn't get credited. So it's only when you had, like, a special that you would get credit. And that would have been, um, I did a special item, special henna programme on the Na- Youth National Theatre. And I can tell you, the transmission date was 010101. It just stands out in my mind. And I, I'm pretty sure I would have had a credit for that. Um, we just went up to Scotland and followed the Welsh National Youth Orchestra. So it was lovely. And we did a rough guide of Glasgow. But I I sort of stepped away from telly before I had that opportunity, really, to, to do more programmes and have more credits. And But it is something... It is something I would like to re-explore as much as I love. And, and I'm, I am contradicting myself a bit here because I love the whole client concept and I agree that things are moving a lot offline. But I still I still have the desire to to have more credits, if you like, to see mm-hmm. to see my name on the screen. I remember being in Tesco's once and the TVs that were for sale there at the time were on S4C. And just this little item I'd filmed in North Wales was just on. And I just stood there thinking, oh, my gosh, wow. You know, nobody else took any notice. But for me, it was a little proud moment. And, yes, I, I would I would like to do more sort of documentaries and features about people. And, and it's probably something that I should pursue. Now. I should try at least try and pursue. Um but, you know, you just focus on the projects that you've got at the moment. And I I just love, I love what I do and I love the variety. But I, you know, I, I definitely, 
I haven't produced anything, a massive documentaries, you know, big films, anything like that. It's much smaller scale, but I still have that pride and I still really, really have that passion and enjoyment. Yeah, I love it. When we um when we decide on doing a documentary about Rob getting a job, do you want to film that? <laughs> Can I please? I would love to do that, Rob. That would be great. Video producing, is it all your own work or do you get videos do you get video clips sent into you? Or is it purely just your own Mainly, mainly our own work. Yes. Um for example, yeah, for example, the video I'm producing for the Earth at the moment, um, we're using archive footage, but it's footage that we shot over the years. Um, so we we tend to reuse footage that yeah. when you go back to the same clients, you know, you'd be like, oh, great, we filmed that with you. And we're doing that a lot during lockdown because we aren't able to go out and film anything new. Um, occasionally... I, I film a lot yeah. with um, a drone operator with James and occasionally I'll say to James, Oh, look, this isn't going to be in Cardiff. Have you, have you got a, an, you know, a shot that we're allowed to use for, of Castle Koch, you know, of, of a castle or something. Um, but no, it tends to be some, mostly our own. Yeah. Um, but you know, there's always, sometimes you need archive footage if it's something history, you know, history, or if you're interviewing somebody and they're referring to something history, um, yeah, occasionally you, you do need to call on on some archive. But I, I love that element of it. I love the research. So, do you do you think um, it's important for brands to have um, like a promo video or a, a YouTube channel, that type of media? As a rule, yes, but obviously it depends. It depends what the brand is. It depends who you are. You know, if you if you may be talking about a legal company brand, then then maybe maybe not because a lot of things are confidential. Um, but most brands definitely, it's about the package, isn't it? You know, a brand is you start off. It's the the actual center point of the brand is that logo, is that identity, is that visual. But then you've got the website and that's what it used to be. And then it might have been like a Twitter or an Instagram, depends what sort of company you are. But of course, that is wider now. You know, if you've got any videos that you're hosting, you know, rather than pay to host them, the easiest thing is to host them on YouTube. And in which case, then you, you've linked to your YouTube channel. So that, that's sort of, yes, that's a no brainer. Um, if I wanted to start being a video producer, um, what advice would you give and what audience would I target or would it just be general? Okay, um, I think we've established that, you know, we are all Spielberg at heart and we, we can all do yep. something with our camera. <laughs> but in order to be a video producer as opposed to somebody who likes to film, definitely training, you know, and a lot can be learned. Yeah. You mentioned, John, about you know, the YouTube channels about graphic design. There's a lot of masterclasses. There's a lot that can be learned on YouTube, definitely. But, um, you know, there are courses there. There's, you know, I did a degree. I filmed videos recently um, with Welsh Government with Apprenticeship Wales Week, <clears throat> which is actually this week. Yeah. And there are brilliant apprenticeships with Skill Cymru, you know, so that you can 
have a hands-on experience in in ITV, in you know, in film, in TV, and have that opportunity to have a go at being a sound man and have a go at being on camera presenting. You know, this would be perfect for you. An apprenticeship would actually be brilliant for you, Rob. You get a taste of everything. Um, I think Brock uh, Rob's breaking into a sweat as we speak. It sounds like a lot of work for him. (laughs) It is a lot of work, but it would be exciting because there's lots of different roles, isn't there? Yeah, but, you know, with an apprenticeship, you but you learn on the job, you make contacts, you get paid. You can tell I've just done a promotional video for this, really. But <laughs> you get paid. You know, it's it's a good thing. And I do think that something like that is a good starting point. So you've either got your degree, that sort of level, that sort of route, or an apprenticeship. Hands-on experience. Learn from the best. You know, yes, make mistakes there. Learn. Learn from your mistakes. Make those contacts. In this industry, contacts huge. Somebody yeah. who you've worked with will go, do you know what? Rob was a good guy. Yet, you know, because you'll have lots of people that say you want to be a sound guy. There's loads of sound guys that are good. But, you know, Rob was good. He's flexible. We like his company. You know, he makes a good coffee, buys us all Costa. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so just having that experience. A lot of people in this industry start off by having work experience, actually. So just... Again, it's having the opportunity to see what you like. Because you might think, yeah. I want to be a cameraman, want to be a cameraman. I know a guy who wanted to be a cameraman. And after a year of training, he was like, nah, I want to be a sound guy. That's me. And he's this freelance sound guy in the industry doing well. Um, so definitely don't just pick up a camera and follow YouTube uh, standalone. Definitely have that training and experience somewhere, I would say. Um but um, but then, yes, just in terms of where, what type of videos, then I enjoy doing videos that involve people and stories and education and something like the areas that I mentioned or um, things that you feel quite passionate about because that's where you would be better than the person next to yeah. you. And you've got to build relationships with clients and, you know, you ideally then they come back to you for more work. You a produce a good product and b that they like working with you because who wants to work with people that they don't enjoy if you don't have to um so you build your clients but if you you know you're interested in running so maybe you would focus on maybe getting a client that's something to do with running because you would have more knowledge maybe about the subject so you would be better placed to produce that video than someone that doesn't have an idea about running yeah. Does that make sense? Does that? Oh, it does. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think you said you wanted a new project and you wanted to get in documentaries. Yeah. I think Definitely. the 43 year old apprentice would be a good one. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes, it's like 40 year old virgin. I'm only 42. <laughs> Come on. Uh, Which he is as well. So that's okay. <laughs> you said throughout your career, things have changed um, quite a bit, and especially with new technologies and things like that. And I love. I love messing around with um, GoPro. Um, I love seeing drone footage just because you get to go to angles and heights that you wouldn't have gone before without a normal camera. Um, So what would you say has been the one big kind of change for you in terms of the camera world um, that's made you go, like, oh, that's cool because it's different? Do you know what? I'm probably with you there. It is the drone. Every time I see drone footage, I just think it's magical, you know, and you've got to be careful. 
I just work, Joan, with James because I know that health and safety wise, he, he takes all the boxes. But you put a bit of classical music, you put that drone footage and it's, it's just the bee's knees, isn't it? Um, but it's something that you've got high end like James, you know, his 4K amazing cameras. He's got a couple of drones, but also your YouTubers are using them. This channel I was following, they're using them and that really ups their production value, you know, by you know a hundred times the fact that they've got that gorgeous drone footage um and yeah it's it gives you the bigger well, picture literally doesn't it yeah yeah we pretty much booked a holiday for 2020 so we didn't end up going um but we pretty much booked a holiday on drone footage um from youtube last year mm. because we fancied this holiday we've seen a bit of video on there and then there was somebody who did some drone footage. He's sitting on a balcony, flew the drone out overseas, coming back to the hotel, and you could see everything. And you were like, wow, that location is spot on. And we booked it. Um, so I just think it's incredible. Nice. Yeah, it's it's powerful, isn't it? You can't hide anything. So when you're booking a holiday, that is quite important. But it's just magical with the right music, with the right, if you, you know, you need to see James's work. It's absolutely stunning. And Obviously, you you need all the elements in your favour. Um, you you do need that bit of sunshine, and but yeah, I I love working working with James and the drone definitely. This part of the podcast is called branded or brand dead. We asked you before you come on to choose a brand that you would like to save, essentially, and why you would save them. Um, and it's down to Reese to take your brand down. Um, so you need to fight for your brand and why you like it. And you, you've given us a few examples already, but I'd like you to tell us what you've chosen, why you've chosen it. And then Rob will decide between you and Reese on whether the brand gets saved. Fabulous. So I've I've gone for Nike. That simple tick that is recognisable anywhere. You put a, a a board full of logos this is the one that will stand out it's simple there's no gimmicks you know the the slogan is just do it but you don't even need that that tick is motivational it is simple they haven't got loads of colors they, they don't need that this brand works as a standalone it also works really well on your clothes on merchandise it's just the the top brand isn't it there's there's nothing simpler nothing better it's interesting when you when you you sent that across to us beforehand so we knew you was going to choose that and until you pointed it out and you said if you take the slogan away it also still says just do it or it's done because it's a tick and i never thought of that before Ah. and when you picked that up i thought wow yeah actually the tech is the same thing. You just do it or it's done. So, Reese, any thoughts on uh, on that? Because I'm a big fan yeah. of that logo as well. I've got a couple of thoughts, but before we start, can I just say, as a judge, there's something you should know about Bob, Alan. Okay. He's no clothes horse. Yeah, <laughs> clothes do not define Bob. Bob I don't know. He's looking pretty stylish. Well, trendy footwear. That's not Bob. He loves airing his big hairy toes. Shod. In an open toe sandal. <laughs> so we'll just leave it there. Thanks for the image. On to Nike itself. And this is where you've both gone wrong because I've done my re- research. It's not a tick. It's a swoosh. The word has been invented for that particular thing. Um, 
I'm interesting because I know you're you you you're in the fairness of the people, Bob. The woman who invented the swoosh in 1971, Caroline Dawson, was only paid thirty five dollars for it. There we are. That's the the inhalation of breath, and the just do it was added. I'm, I'm sure there's I'm sure there's payments after that. No, they're just well nothing at all. I, does she get free trainers? If you haven't got time to research it, I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> and the Just Do It was added in 1988. Now, a couple of problems that I've got with Nike, major problems. So Back to the Future 2, yeah? They jumped 30 <laughs> years to 2015. And what was Martin McFly wearing? A Nike magnetic anti-grav boot with lace-up laces. Yes. Self-lacing. 30 yeah. years later, where are they? What have those clowns <laughs> in Nike been doing? Nothing. Yeah. Also, Nike were responsible for one of the worst films ever made. <laughs> Space Jam. <laughs> and here we go. Rob, you're a man of the people. So a wow. pair of Nike Air Jordans 1 sold last year in 2019 for $560,000. Yeah, that's £405,616. And I've worked it out. For that, you can buy 20,290 pairs of Crocs. <laughs> Do you know what? Until you mentioned the word Crocs, even I was quite convinced with your arguments and your research, but you've just said Crocs. And I mean, that's just... Okay, yeah. then my final point, and again, this, this goes to, right to the heart of Rob as, as a, a man of fairness. In 2017, the Paradise Papers, which exposed uh, avoidance of tax paying, um, suggested that in the UK, whenever a pair of sh- shoes are sold by Nike, the money goes to their office in the Netherlands rather than the Nike UK Limited Hub. Now. I have to back this up by saying in the same article, it suggested that the stars of Mrs. Brown's boys allegedly piled two million into an offshore trust fund. (laughs) (laughs) And it was the Daily Mail. So if we get any comeback, the lawyers at the Daily Mail can deal with that. So Nike are not a good brand, Rob. Consign them to history. Ah, But this is company, isn't it? And we're talking brand. (laughs) We're talking brand. We're talking what you see. Swoosh or a tick. It's pretty good. It's you know it captures you. You recognise it. If you put it on on a quiz, everybody would get it. And so that it's is just grand. It's just promoting correctness. People who are right all the time. <laughs> Where's the people like me at school that had X's on my paper? Where was my Nike X? <laughs> it's only celebrating success. I'm not going to take any sides. But I was influenced by the Nike brand when I was younger. So much so that I got my mother to shave the Nike tick in the back of my head. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and I, I won't lie to you, it looked more like the short tick. <laughs> Less swoosh, more oh, short tick. Nice. Because sure so, is a tick. You know, I was influenced. Nike is a swoosh. Yeah. I've got to say, good research there. Very good research. <laughs> Thank you very much. I mean, much. I very much went just with the brand and my thoughts. But, you know, you can't deny it's it's a powerful brand. Oh, and also, Rob, Nike, yeah. um, Nike sponsored the England football team. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can't. And Manu Man Kit. 
my new kits in the past. So we pass over to Rob in a sec, but before I hand it over to Rob, Judge Judy, um, <laughs> I suppose the thing we've got to think about here is Ellen picked this brand and we asked guests to pick a brand and why they liked the brand, not like she said, the company. So Reese has done some fantastic research there. Um, and I think the Nike swoosh as an icon, as a brand identity, it works in a lot of places. Um, but like Reese said, you know, it is the culture and it's the, the feel of the organization as well that people need to buy into. So Rob, over to you. What do you think? Um, I think I'm going to have to go with Ellen. I think, like, like you say, as as a brand on the whole, it's it's world renowned. It's easily identifiable. Um, and Reese mentioned Crocs, and you can't wear Crocs when it's raining. <laughs> you can't. So wear you own a pair of Crocs, I presume. <laughs> so I think Nike wins. Uh, slightly outraged. Uh, quite disgusted at that. Um, <laughs> but well done on the finished. research, Reese. Well done on the research. Good research, but good choice. Good choice. <laughs> I think he's just been polite to our guest, Alan. You know. <laughs> Nike is branded. I know you've given Rob a bit of advice already. So if there's just one thing, what is your number one tip for Rob to get into this video producing world? I think and you've picked up on what I said earlier, John, it's networking. You know, it is very much who you know, but who you know in, in a good way, not just knowing someone, somebody knowing that you're good, that you're reliable, that you're fun, that you're capable. And they will know that much more from meeting you and working with you than they will from seeing your name or just your profile on LinkedIn. So, you know, it is what you, who you know quite often, but you do have to prove yourself. But yeah, get that experience, just get to know people. And also, I know this is too, find out exactly what you're interested in. Because although yeah. we are looking at an industry where you have to multitask a lot more and the crews are getting smaller. You can still have your expertise in the industry. You know, I will grab a camera when we're doing a big shoot for like Theatre Gennad Lethal Cymru. I film a lot of their productions and I will I will go on camera, but I'm not, you know, that's not my forte. I don't mind in a multicam. I enjoy it, but it's not, you know, everybody has their strengths, you know, and if, if, if you're quite bossy like me, maybe directing, producing is your thing. If you're good with music, with sound, maybe editing, you know, find find your niche. What yeah. if it's none of them? <laughs> <laughs> so ultimately what you're telling Rob there is to be like Nike. Just do it, Rob. Yeah. Do it. Yeah. Just do it. And not in Crocs. <laughs> Um, so the final question for me then, Ellen, um, is would you give Rob a job? Um, I'm afraid not. Right, on to Rob's rambling then, boys. Rob, off you go. No. 
I was waiting. I was waiting for you to cut it. Was you that not the on. editing bit, or was that just straight into it? Okay. Um. Yeah, I, I fancy being a producer now. That's it. I think the the part of me that wanted to be in front of the camera. Um. Maybe Which afterwards. Part was that? The the famous part. Oh right, okay. I thought yeah. I thought you meant perhaps a part of the body that wants to be in front of the camera <laughs> now wants to be behind it. No, I I I think um, yeah, I think Alan sold it to me where um, you do the the whole sort of behind the scenes first of all, um, looking after the camera and doing the sound and doing the sound checks and design and um, looking at the um, even the, the layouts and sort of the um, where you're gonna where you're gonna film that type of thing. So being in charge is is something that you think you'd like to kind of manage that project of of that episode or that film or that um, clip. Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, the the way Alan was was saying it at the, at the moment, there's only um, a few people sort of in the hello cat. Threw me. I didn't know what it was. It just threw me. Out. <laughs> You didn't order one. You said, "Hello, cat." <laughs> <laughs> no, it was just. Oh, it was just a it was shadow. Like lawyer. I, I am not. Hi, <laughs> Judge. Yeah, I'm not a cat. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I love that. So, one thing that worries me, Rob, is how clearly kind of vain you are because you wanted to be on camera. You want you want to be the famous person you said in the in the pilot. And what Ellen said in the in the episode there is. There was quite often a time where she was never named as a credit. Do you think you'll be able to deal with that if you've put some work in behind the scenes, but you're not named? I think, yeah, I think I'd be okay with that, not seeing my my name in lights, because um, you know all the work would um, would have been done, and you know that you've put the the work into it. Um, You'd just be proud so of yeah, the team effort. Okay. Yeah, yeah, team effort. That's you'd it. be able to you'd be able to say to your wife. I worked on that. Yeah. When, when she was talking about, though, the fact that just get a good foothold in it to start, you should go back as an apprentice, your eyes did glaze over a bit at that point. I'm probably a bit old to be an apprentice, but you've got to start somewhere, haven't you? You do. If you, yeah, if you, if you want to be a successful in this industry. Yeah. Now, now Ellen obviously was... Um, uh, she'd made lots of uh, news features, documentaries, worked on lots of Welsh language programmes. So what genre do you think you're going in for, Rob? I'd, I'd start with sport, I think, to to get me into it. Okay. Um, or maybe looking at, looking at different, um, maybe wildlife or nature, different things like that. They're quite different. So what are you thinking? Um, you'll just pitch up at the Millennium Stadium with maybe uh, your Fujimatic camera? Or are you heading down the cops outside uh, Castle Cork? Looking for some of those um, um, dog walkers. <laughs> I think there's an important message in there somewhere around finding your passion or your genre, like we said, and kind of really going for that and nailing. So you often see sports photographers, and I wouldn't mind betting that's because they're into sport and they like photography. Um, and you, you know, you see, yeah. you always see it with photographers, and and whether they go out to to photograph birds, nature, that kind of thing, because they like being out in the wild. Um, so I think it's important to find your genre, and once you've got that, you can kind of focus on that network, you know, get to know the right people, um, and start dabbling with it. 
making your own YouTube channel. That's what we need next. I think so. Yeah, that'd be good. Um, just yeah, just like you say, just trying out different things and seeing seeing which one you like and seeing which one picks up an interest. So, Mike, I got a question for you, Rob, and we asked you this question in the pilot um, around how low would you go in terms of advertising and branding and what we said about Cardiff Green Street and stuff. So video producing, how low would you go? Would you go, <laughs> would you play with dolls on YouTube? Yeah, I could do that. Yeah. Remember, they've got millions and millions of hits. The, the videos, not the dolls. <laughs> <laughs> we can't just have a video of you punching a doll. Till his head pops off. That's that's not what we're going down here, right? <laughs> Although, having said that, I suspect I might watch that. Yeah, I, there's probably there's probably a, a channel <laughs> out there. I won't mind that. I think you would. Yeah. So what what's so what's your what's your biggest takeaway from that that interview then, Rob? Um, to do with the branding or to do with the the job? I guess the question he's asking: What would brand Pezak bring to yeah. that sort of? environment that job um i think the the different experience and the different insights um into um producing the videos and sort of getting them out there um but it's it's doing the whole sort of um knowing your audience so doing separate videos for different things and trying to get yourself known so, so Rob, you, you've listened to Ellen, you've taken all her tips. So what I'd like to propose is a little challenge for you. I'd like you to create a 30 second wildlife video filmed. Doesn't have to be narrated, but if it was, that'd be even better. And what we'll do, along with all of your challenges, I'm going to set you will upload it to a little bit of the hidden part of YouTube that only our listeners will be able to access and find. Yeah. And they can watch it and rate it and see whether this okay. would have been the great career choice for you. Love it. And if you, Love can, it. if you can post it under the name of Robert Attenborough. Okay. Uh-huh. Reese, what, um, what was your highlight of the interview? Um, it was just fascinating to, just to hear again, you know, how thinking about how very different it is getting a job these days, I would imagine, for, for how it was when we were getting jobs. Um, and Sailing got in very luckily. I say luckily, there was a lot of talent there. But at a time, I guess, when probably there was, if you look at it, there probably wasn't that many people who were doing media in those days compared to the amount of jobs that there were. Whereas if you flash forward to where we are now, you've got so many media studies, media technologies, just so many courses that cover media. And as Ellen said, the industry is actually shrinking. There isn't as many positions available as there were, so so that was quite quite a fascinating insight into that. Yeah, I agree. Um, I really enjoyed the the chat around the evolution of the video producer, I suppose, and mm-hmm. how youngsters these days using TikTok use you yeah using TikTok, YouTube, uh, and many other channels to produce content and getting millions and millions of likes and uh, subscribers and everything else. Um, but it's something that stuck in my mind when I've talked to people before, read somewhere, is, and I'll take this back to creating a, a logo, for example, and it'll be the same same concept when it comes to producing video, where you may ask a professional to do something for you, 
it may take them an hour to produce something and you'll charge them say a thousand pound just for argument's sake and the customer may say it's only taking you an hour but the response to that would be well actually it's taking me 20 years because it takes you that long to get that good at that profession and i think from what ellen discussed there in terms of you could there's, there's a market for everyone you could pluck somebody off the street who's got an iphone and ask them to produce a video for you and they could do it but to what level could they produce it and is it good enough for your brand and for your company? Um, and I think what I've taken away from that is really that element of um, how good do you want your brand to be? And if you want it to be the best, then you really need the professional. Yeah. In there. Um, yeah. Otherwise, anyone can do it. Yeah. So I think what, what you need to take away from that conversation there, um, Rob, is that what John is saying, by the time you're in your mid-60s, you might be earning minimum wage. Yeah. That's good, isn't it? That's something to look forward to. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think in, in 20 years, minimum age might be quite high. So, yeah, that'll be, that'll be something to but look it, forward to. That is, um, that is quite a worry, though. If Rob wants to change his career and get into something to, to do with branding, to make a career shift, there's a, there's a lot of work involved. There's not... Just one day I decide I want to go and do this. There's there's years and years of experience as well and the training. Yeah, so um, so start soon, Rob. Yeah, there's a lot there's a lot will, of heavy yeah. lifting there, Rob, and yeah. I'm not sure you've got the back for it. But John and I <laughs> are prepared to be astounded and to hang onto your coattails should you start to propel. I'll I'll do some research the weekend. Um, I'll see what online courses there are, and yeah. I'll keep you updated. And it's interesting, we talked last week on the pilot that, um, you know, where would you start, Rob? Would you start an apprentice? Would it be a Saturday job? And, and when we asked Ellen, one of the things she suggested was an apprentice because it's a good way into the industry. Yeah. Um, yeah definitely. So if you can do that part-time while you do your full-time job. She did also suggest, though, John, that, you know, it's about networking, people getting to know you, people liking you. Sometimes you just have to make a nice cup of tea. Rob makes an awful cup of tea. He <laughs> makes tea and he uses full fat milk, creamy, creamy, full fat milk. He's going nowhere in that industry. Right then, gents, this week's, this yep. week's quiz is all about YouTube. Um, so we've had a video producer on, so I thought he was fit in. Um, and I've been on the website, www.brandwatch.com. Uh, they've got an excellent blog on there from the end of last year around the um, most popular YouTube channels. So what we're going to play today is higher or lower based on the number of subscribers. Um John, am I right in thinking you've made this a game of okay. chance only because I absolutely annihilated Rob last week? Yes, I tried to make it a little bit easier on higher or lower, I think. <laughs> I don't think we need to go lowbrow. We should be going highbrow. Hopefully there's some useful information in there for uh, for the listeners as well then of, of the channels that are out there. So it's based on the top 20 YouTube channels and the number of followers they have. So they're up in the in the millions, high millions, you know. So I'm going to explain okay. the channel and the name of the channel, and you've got to decide whether it's higher or lower 
than the previous number. Okay. So as a okay. starter for 10, I'm going to start off with Nike. Um, and I'm going to tell you how many subscribers Nike have got. Um, so the answer to this question is higher. Okay. But just for, for format, so you understand how it works. Nike have got 1.5 million subscribers. Okay. So it's quite a lot. Well, so, I'm not one of them. No. <laughs> so the first one, which is higher, and you can have a guess of how many million, just um, just to set the scene, is the WWE, which we talked about on our pilot. So the World Wrestling Entertainment is starting, stands for, because we weren't sure last week. Um, and it's the most popular sports channel on the list. So we know who WWE are. How many million subscribers do you think they have? I'm going to go in with a 38 million. I was going to go less than that. I would say probably 30 million. So they've got 66.4 million subscribers. Wow. Okay. wow. So that one point well, Rishi okay. boy. No, there's no points for that one because I already no said because it, it's higher or lower. So we're going to start yeah. with Rob. No, we're going to start with Rob because um, I find he's the handicap on this race, um, just on quizzes general because, to be fair, Reese are quite good at quizzes. Um, so, Rob, we're starting with you. I'm going to explain the next yeah. channel. This channel is called T-Series, Okay. The content on the channel okay. is a huge collection of music, videos, films, clips, and trailers from T-Series, Creative Output. And that... From what? From T-Series? Yeah, T-Series is a record label and film production company from India. Oh, oh yeah, sorry, yeah. Yeah, I should have known that. Okay, <laughs> so they've got music yes. videos, films, clips, and trailers. Um, do yeah. you think... That is higher or lower than 66.4 million subscribers? I would say higher. Higher? You'd be correct, Rob. Yes. They have 154 million subscribers. And at the wow. time of writing the blog, according to Brandwatch, they were the highest subscribing YouTube channel. Brilliant. So I just know the next answer. I've got to go lower. Oh, excellent. Let's, no, 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 let's go for it. Bring it on, John. <laughs> kind of no, no, come on. I'm okay. waiting. One point each. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll give it the next one anyway. Um, right, so. <laughs> so, individual YouTuber. Yes. Um, Felix Arvid of. Oh, Felix. Gelberg. Who is PewDiePie? Pew? Not PewDiePie. Have you heard of them? Famous YouTuber. Stroke. I think I've heard no. of it. Yeah. His main focus is in gaming, including live streams of him playing. Ooh. He does a lot of vlogging, collaborations with other YouTubers, and his own meme review series. So, Reese, you're going. Lower. Um, let me think about this. Is he higher than the highest? Subscribe channel at the time of writing the blog. Um, do you know what? I'm going to go lower. Well, you're going to be wrong because I tricked you. No, joking. Um, 
<laughs> it is lower. Well done. Right. Rob? No, How many? So it's, it's one each. So it's 100 and 106 million subscribers. So it's still pretty high. Bloody hell, that's... It wasn't far off. Yeah. Yeah. Right, this is a good one. I'm a, I'm a, I've seen a few of these. Okay. It's called Five Minute Crafts. Have you heard them? Craps. Crafts. Crafts. Craft work. Oh. Craft work. Making I, things. I've heard of a five-minute craft. So five-minute crafts, a DIY channel that covers a whole range of subjects. Um, Started in 2016. It's gone from strength to strength. Um, So craft videos, five-minute crafts, also life hacks, um, content for kids and parents. Is that higher or lower than 106 million subscribers? I would say lower. You would be right. 68.4 million subscribers. Well done. So, thank you. The next one for you, Reese, is called Set India. So, so it's Sony Entertainment Television or Set India. So, it's Sony owned, and this Hindi language channel is run by the Indian television channel of the same name. Well, if T-Series earlier was 154 million, and we know that India's got a vast population in India, obviously, and live outside the country, it's got to be higher than five. So it has it has um, full episodes of TV shows, teaser trailers and episode clips on there. So you're saying higher than 68.4? Yeah, 100%. You, you would be right, there's 82.9 million subscribers. Not catching the, the T series though, are they? Nope. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> this one is called Kids Diana Show. Children's channel. Um, so this is focused on a girl called Diana with a content focusing on her life and what it's like to be a kid who's constantly filmed. Um, the videos include okay. toy unboxing, challenges, trips out and about, and other activities that children are up to. The concept would have sounded bizarre just a few years ago, but here we are, and that ties into what Alan was saying earlier, really. Um, My nephew watches videos of kids unboxing presents. Yeah, and this is what this is, I just said. Yeah, yeah. mine does too. It includes unboxing, so how many then, Rob? Are we looking higher or lower than Set India? They had 82.9 subscribers, 82.9 million subscribers. I'm going to go with higher. Higher than 82. You would be wrong. 63.6 million subscribers. Come on now, Rob. Oh, Reese has the upper hand. Okay. Next one. Coco Melon, which is nursery rhymes. (laughs) Uh, The platform. I'm sure I've had a pint of that somewhere. (laughs) I know. (laughs) <laughs> uh, the platform has become an easy way for parents to keep their kids entertained, especially with its autoplay feature. Um, the channel itself has exactly what its title suggests, a huge bank of nursery rhymes about a range of subjects, features, CGI characters and locations in a cartoonish design. Sorry, how does it's... the title suggest it? It's called Coco Melon. How does no, that it's... suggest it's nursery rhymes? Maybe it's in a different language. It's, it's called Coco Melon. Nursery rhymes. Oh, okay, fair enough. Then that makes more sense. So, is it <laughs> higher or lower than sixty-three point six million? 
So what you've got to think is, right, so kids can only get on to computers if their parents let them, and most of the time they're loath to, but they, they will give them screen time. A stressed parent is more likely to subscribe and put this on for their kid, speaking as, a, as a, an owner of two cats and no children. <laughs> it's higher than kids' Diana show. You would be right. It's 93.8 million subscribers. Wow. Blimey. And, well done. A little bit of insight in there. I don't think I subscribe to any, but um, I've played nursery rhymes from YouTube to my children for them to go to sleep before. And many parents would have. So, yeah. Lazy. Does lazy parents, Rob. That's what they are. Lazy parents. <laughs> Can't even sing to their children. It does work, Rob. Um, but if you're a selfish parent like me, then you look for the rock lullabies, which will have lullabies of Queen and um, other rock bands, <laughs> just so you can tolerate it. Sounds good. So you can just put up with yeah. it a bit longer. <laughs> um, okay. So the next one then, over to Rob. Is um, my lead unassailable yet, John? You're three, two, up. So... This one is called Like Mastia Vlog. And it's, okay. it's, so use a clue for you, it's the most subscribed channel in the Russian Federation, okay? And yeah, aimed at kids, it features Like Mastia and her parents who run the channel, recreating scenes from films and TV shows, singing songs, nursery rhymes, and going on trips. So I imagine it's a bit like carpool karaoke with in Russia and with this kid. Yeah, Rob, um, what you've got to think here, and I'm not playing mind games. I'm not trying to get into here. Russia's quite a big, big place. Russia, there's a lot of people. It is, but is it? yeah, how many people are on the internet in Russia? How many people can afford a computer? Well, how many people can an... afford a potato? These are things you've got to weigh up. <laughs> here's another clue for you, Rob. Like Mastia also has another channel with 15 million subscribers, simply called Like Mastia. And it puts out similar videos, but with more of a focus on playing and trips to amusement and activity parks. Quite selfish, really, this Like Mastia vlog and Like Mastia, <laughs> they've got two channels. So is it more, is it higher or lower than 93.8 million subscribers? I'm going to have to say lower. Ooh, would you? You would be right, Rob. Yeah, because it's based in Russia. And that what has what to do with anything? Well, if if their their sister channel is only fifteen but million, this channel will be rubbish. It's not going to so be. So this channel has sixty point seven million, which oh, is less than yeah. the ninety three from before. So um, well done, yeah. three all. Oh, Rob, going Thank yes, you. as if you've worked that out. <laughs> <laughs> That was that was my deductions. So you're the more familiar um, person, Eminem music. So the world famous rapper. Oh, I thought it was the chocolate sweets. <laughs> yeah, I'm doing better. <laughs> um, so Eminem, so look, his channel is as you'd expect: music videos from throughout his career, trader for movies he's involved in, and interviews. So has he got more than sixty point seven million or less? So, the thinking behind this is, I know that Eminem isn't one of the top followed Twitterers, tweeters, twits, 
so you would expect or would you oh, I'm going against myself now it's lower lower than 93.8 million no lower than 60.7 million oh no definitely lower than Coco Melon <laughs> yeah <laughs> so lower than 60.7 million will the real Reese Cousins please stand up please stand up please stand up you're right well of course I'm right John 44.4 million that was more than I expected it's close it's close still high yeah still really high this is what you need to aim at Rob when you start doing your videos <clears throat> yeah so next one uh Canal Conzilla, whoever that is, um, is a music video producer and owner of Conzilla Records and posts ah. music from Conzilla on his channel. Centered around the funk, ostentoso genre, the popularity of the music has translated well to YouTube, apparently. So, there's lots of music videos, plus some behind-the-scenes footage. Is it more or less than 44.4 million, Rob? More. You'd be correct. 60.4 million. Do you know what I'm thinking about it, though? He's just shouting things out randomly. Oh, Rob. No, that was... What do you mean that was? It took you four seconds. (laughs) Well, I was thinking while John was... Reading out the question. He, 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 committed, he, he committed to an answer and he, and he guessed. Yeah. Okay, Reese. So we're four all now, guys, right? Um, Are we? Z, Z. How, how can we be? I haven't dropped any points. I'm not so being competitive, right. but I just like. It's because Rob yeah. went all, first. Yeah. yeah, so you've got to get. You've got to, That's you've what it got is, to go yeah. In hand now, you? So it's like a penalty yeah. shootout. But Rob's happy because he got the points in the bag. Right. Yeah. Uh, Z Music Company. Oh, Z. Now that's Indian as well. Yeah, it is. We have the Indian channel, Z Music Company. Um, the channel's content is made up of music videos, some of which are from films and television shows. So it says, so this is a clue, so I'm going to read this to you. The channel says it's aggregated over 220,000 hours of video content. It's not really That's not a clue, is it? (laughs) (laughs) It it may show some sort of popularity, but it doesn't work. No, you can't. Um, Okay, (laughs) 60.4 million was the the amount. So is it more higher or lower? See, you've thrown that in here because Indians seem to have... Very high subscribers. The fact I've heard of Z Music Company means it's obviously on television, which would mean I wouldn't need to subscribe. I could just watch it. It's not as simple as that, John. <laughs> There's a lot of factors. Brucey wouldn't put up with this week, then. Should be a time limit. Oh, shut up, Rob. <laughs> it's going to be higher. Higher than 60.4 million. He was right again. However, it was only 61.9 million. But is that more? So it is. That's all that matters. It's only just. So it is higher. Right. It's a good one for Rob here. I think this is his favourite singer, Justin Bieber. Okay. So we are 
he's got a few decent songs. Child music sensation turned just regular music sensation, Justin Bieber. Um, <laughs> apparently, it says here, Bieber was actually discovered on YouTube. So there is a market, Rob, that you could get discovered. Probably. Not for myself. No, probably by the police in a ditch somewhere in Clantrescent. But, but yes, <laughs> discovery nonetheless. Um, so music videos, promo material, interviews, um, behind the scenes footage. Is it higher or lower than 61.9 million? Talk us through your thinking, Rob. It, well, he is quite popular. He is I'm quite thinking. popular. He's not your local yeah, butcher. I, I, I don't know. He's <laughs> not the, you know. The, maybe he offers Rob meat as well. He's <laughs> coming round every Thursday with a bag of offal for Rob. And it's worldwide as well, so I'm, I'd have to say higher than 62. Higher than 62, you would be wrong. Yeah. It's 57. Oh no! Fifty-seven million subscribers. Oh, not far off then. So Bieber was fifty-seven million subscribers. Um, next up, we have Dude Perfect, a sports entertainment channel run by five guys from the US. They originally started with basketball trick shot videos, but now uh, they're one of the most popular channels in the world. Um, they make videos of a whole range of stuff, although sport is still a main focus. Trick shots and stuff like that. So, Ooh, so. 57 million. Is it more higher or lower? More people like sport, I suspect, than Bieber. Um, no offence to the believers out there listening. <laughs> um, and you said it's one of the most popular channels in the world. Yeah, but they all are. They're all in the top 20. Basketball trick shots. Have you seen that one that they throw from the top of the dam? And as it drops, yes. it goes further and further away from the dam and then it, you get into a net. Incredible. What's your answer, Reese? Oh, I've heard of Bieber. I haven't heard of Dude Perfect. I thought he was going to say some sort of wrestler then. Um, uh-huh. Let's have a look at the rest of this list. Okay, so we're going to go for... Lower than Bieber. Lower than Bieber. You will be correct. 53.4 million. Reese gets one win. Out of the well, in the first quiz last week's, it was a practice run, wasn't it? Are we, are we keeping scores? <laughs> yes, we are, yeah. and last week's as it's well. Not last week's, just from now on. <laughs> we from are keeping on. scores, so well done, Reese. On your win, Rob, do you want to congratulate Reese? Congratulations, Reese. <laughs> it was uh. There's a lot of thought went into those questions. I'll, I'll be honest with you, John. It was a hollow win. Um, my contestant clearly hadn't prepared. So <laughs> I'll take it, but I won't enjoy it. So, Rob, what's your uh, final outcome then of, of being a video producer? A video producer, it does sound good. It does sound interesting, but I think it's, uh, it's a lot of hard work and a, a lot of hours. So I... Let's see what else is out there. 
Oh, okay. Um, well, uh, thanks, Rob. Okay, let's um, well, let's see what we can find you next week then, mate.